0: Welcome to the Human and Machine Podcast. My name is Jakob Marquot. I'm your co host uh, here with, of course, with Lenny Smith. Lenny, good to be back in the studio recording another episode after a couple of really crazy weeks training and uh, just a bit of madness. Also. Yeah,
1: no, glad to be back. Uh, we had our first um, Ignition Core training here in our offices, at our Element Aid offices. Great to have people back, seeing people in their faces, having that human interaction once again. Quite strange. And it was quite strange, to be honest. Um, I must say, my. Um, covid protocol
0: is a bit lacking <laughs> No, <laughs> um, no you, did, you did observe good responsible behavior and yeah, social definitely, <laughs> but definitely good to have just a little bit of human interaction again yeah it definitely seems like there's a craving for that <clears throat> I, I think it was on inc.com or forbes i can't remember i read an article of the weekend where they speak about people feeling today they're, they're experiencing foma which is the fear of meeting up <clears throat> and that's definitely uh but probably something that'll be coined now and become quite prevalent. But we definitely have heard and seen that. But yeah, there's definitely a bit of a hunger for just to get a bit of human interaction and really good hosting our first ignition core training course as well in South Africa. Um, So this week, of course, maybe just before we kick off with with this week, the Human and Machine podcast, if this is your first time listening, uh, it is it is, of course, hosted by us um, here from Element 8 in four ways in Johannesburg. And we really aim to help you make sense of uh, the latest industrial technology and the challenges and opportunities impacting manufacturing today, uh, especially on the back of, of the COVID uh, pandemic. And we're really grateful, Csillenia, if I look at a few of the past episodes, we're really grateful to have hosted some just extraordinary people and leaders in the automation world globally since we started this podcast very humbly. Um, today is no exception and we look forward to speaking with Travis Cox, who is the co-director of sales engineering at Inductive Automation. Uh, Travis started with Inductive Automation in 2003 and has previously served as director of training and uh, director of support at Inductive Automation. And Travis has overseen numerous successful launches of HMI and SCADA projects across various diverse industries. So really looking forward to to the chat with Travis from Inductive Automation. And when we one of the key things that we that we hear about inductive automation is just the the, the incredible growth um, that the company and the and the technology has seen over the last few years, which is easy to understand, really, given the SCADA and IIoT platform's crucial requirements of affordability, ease to deploy and run and flexibility. And it definitely does tick those boxes. So Really look forward to chatting with Travis. Uh, Travis, good morning and welcome to the podcast. Great to chat with you.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. Really happy to be here.
1: Perfect. Travis, now, I think when we when we had a discussion with you, you said that there's one liner that we can introduce you with, and that was thanks to bowling.
0: <laughs> you just kicking it off with thanks <laughs> to bowling. I'm <laughs> just kicking it
1: off straight with that. So, so maybe you can, <laughs> can maybe elaborate a little. For, so for people in South Africa, that's not cryptic at all. Um, we, bowling isn't in the states is not what you see here at the magic company um, it's not about it's a really big profession there it's really taken serious and Travis I think you could have you could thank your your career pretty much on on bowling is is that right
2: absolutely yeah it's it's kind of a funny story um, I mean I, so I grew up bowling I have been bowling since I was you know a little little one uh, eight years old and and uh, have you know really taking bowling seriously. I I was uh, in, you know, junior programs and I was a regional pro uh, for quite some time. But yeah, I mean, I owe my career and a lot of the relationships I have, you know, due to bowling. Um, In fact, our our company, if you know the history there, we started, um, Steve Heckman, who is the owner of the integration business, you know, wanted to build his own software and he uh, really reached out to, uh, some some folks you know say, "Hey, do you know any developers, any programmers?" And uh, that's how it, um, it, it kind of things got started. And so Nathan Boger was one of the, the early uh, ones I was working with Steve, and he knew uh, Colby Clegg at going at UC, at UC Davis uh, at a university. Yeah. And uh, I grew up with Colby, and I, we actually met in uh, junior bowling programs. And so in, in Brentwood, California, it was uh, really quite fun. We've been bowling together for a very very long time. And we went to college together. We bowled in college as well on the team there. And uh, really, you know, that, you know, since we've known each other for a long time, uh, when kind of inductive automation got started, Colby brought in, you know, myself, uh, brought in, you know, Carl, brought in quite a few folks. And that's sort of how we started. I mean, really, it was this core people, a set of people from University of California Davis that came in and and, uh, started helping Steve build his dream software. And that's kind of what got this company really, really going. So it was really, yeah, all I guess all because of bowling.
1: Crazy. If you if you guys haven't um, listened to our podcast with Colby, um, please make sure to download that. We we talked a little bit with Colby around the just the ethos and the and the pillars that the Inductive Automation brand really has been built on. Um, so sure, please make sure to also listen to to that path, podcast as well. But Travis, with you, I think we're going to dive a little bit more deeper into the the tech side of things. Um, and we really want to we really want to talk a little bit about about Perspective, the new visualization module that you guys have from Inductive Automation, um, and really just understand what this great opportunity there is for our system integrator and for our end clients by utilizing the the Perspective module. Um, now, obviously, the Perspective module is is the new visualization module that's that's available for for Inductive. Um, but yeah, maybe if you can just give us a little bit of history and feedback on on where it all started moving from vision, which is the more traditional kind of SCADA application, to, to perspective.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean let's let's kind of go back to the beginning. Um, you know, when when we started, we had prior to 2010 uh, with Inductive Automation, we had two different products. We had a product called Factory SQL, and it was written in.NET, and that was one that Colby originally built uh here at Inductive Automation. And it basically took data from OPC. Um, and put it into sql databases so it would it had these transaction groups so we know today of in the sql bridge module and it was really uh crucial to you know get that data into a database that we can then uh you know visualize and so that was the the first product after we had that we had to have some visualization and that's really what carl uh, gould what he really focused on uh, and he was a you know a a java expert he built um factory pmi which was plant plant management interface and it was the front end and that was all based on Java swing technology. And so as a desktop application and, uh, which factor PMI is now the vision module for ignition. And so the, the vision has kind of been with us since the very beginning. Um, again, built on Java swing technology, uh, it was really easy to get a client out there. You didn't have to have anything installed. You just simply go to our webpage, you click the link to launch the designer or the runtime. And it will download and run that uh, as, as an application on the machine. So of course you had to have a machine, you know, like a Windows or Linux OS that could run, you know, Java so that we can actually open up the vision client, but it was a great visualization tool. And we've had that, uh, you know, you know over 16 years. And we've really, you know, made a lot of, you know, a lot of improvements to that product over the years and it's been really tried and true in terms of what people use it for, for visualization. Um, but, you know, if you look at what's kind of happening you know, from a technology standpoint, everything's moving to the web world. Uh, everything we do, from you know all the business applications that we use, from you know G Suite uh, to Office three sixty five and more, they're all you know they've all transitioned to being uh, pure web. To uh, so use your browser, just simply go access the applications, and you can go to your phone. You can. Access the applications on your phone. You get the same experience, and it's all you know. Kind of, it's all connected, and uh, it makes it really, really easy to interface with these systems. And for us, you know, Vision was a really, uh, it's a, it's a really great product. But in terms of being able to get that data out to more people, our Ignition's licensing model has always been unlimited, so it's always been really easy for people to go. You know, you install Ignition on a server, you go anywhere in your plant or anywhere in your network, and you can simply put it in, in your browser, the IP address of the server, and you can launch the, the vision client. Yeah. Um, but you had, you, know, you, had to, you had to launch it, you had to download and run that. It had to be on a machine that could support it. Yeah. So if, for example, if you had a mobile device, like a phone or a tablet, and you wanted to launch vision, you, um, we couldn't do it natively. So we came out with this thing called mobile module, and that was basically a way to launch the vision client virtually on the server. And we can pipe it through as an image to the phone or to the tablet and that worked really really great but it wasn't a true mobile experience and as the technology shifted everybody's moving to the web world we knew we had to get there as well and we had to take advantage of this latest and greatest technology and uh, so that we can get data to more people and that is really what um two years ago when we we started development of perspective that's really what sprang you know, um, uh, us bringing this new technology into the platform. And it was just, uh, we, we not only wanted to be able to provide it to more people, but we wanted to create something that just wasn't done before a first class product built from the ground up where it was, nobody had to know anything about HTML or CSS or, or JavaScript, any of that stuff. You just go in designer, very drag and drop, build your application, just like you did in the, with vision, but be able to deliver that in a, in a browser in a pure web way. And, um, you know, it it is really a remarkable product and it is uh, really going to change the game because there's so many opportunities and things you can do with perspective, Um, not just able to, you know, not just the fact you can get data to more people. It's very simple. You just need a browser. But the fact that we can also leverage phones and tablets and have them be a core part of our application. And if you know, if you look today, all businesses, right, there's more more mobility. You know the pandemic has also shown that people have to work from work from home, work remotely, and they want to stay connected in this ever-changing world. Mm. And you need to use a technology that facilitates that, that allows us to stay connected. And that's really what Perspective is all about. And so we are so excited to have this product in the market, and so ex- so excited to continue expanding onto it. Um, I just want to say too that we will continue to have both of our visualization platforms in Ignition. We have our Vision. A lot of people still have vision applications, and and we have Perspective with Ignition being a platform. It's modular. You can have uh, all, all these modules coexist and work together, and and you can take advantage of all that they have to offer there. Um, but you know, with Perspective, there's there's just so much more possibility that uh, and that that people can take. You know, can where they people can take advantage of that and use that. And so we're really excited to see what what's coming with that.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think I think you, you you've hit a nail on the head there, Travis. By you know, mobile mobility and and you know the concept of bringing your own device to your place of work to to view applications. And that's a concept that's been around for for quite a while, and I think a lot of a lot of skater vendors out there thought, you know, what if we can just take our current skater visualization render that application as HTML or being I mean, accessible through a browser, then we've done it. We've, we've accomplished web, web design and, and web responsiveness. But it's, it's more than that. It's not just about the actual graphic component of it. It's the way that you interact with that application. Um, you guys went so far as you, know, you built perspective from the ground up. So you didn't leverage any other technology that you had. You pretty much built it from scratch um and that obviously allowed for interaction with with your device with your phone's peripherals as an example natively which is something that was very difficult to do if you just rendered the visualization component um that's on the existing module into into a browser so i can use the phones GPS location I can use the phone's barcode I can use um, any of those peripherals the the accelerometer as an example on the phone and the the Application possibilities that that brings to the device and to the application Is immensely and it actually now enables you to bring your own device to work to actually do the tasks that you're required to do
2: Yeah, you know, it's a really it's a really good point that you bring up there um, you know when when we looked at building perspective We could have easily just said, okay, let's take vision and try to, um, just visualize that as HTML, right? Try to just bring it to a browser. Um, but you're adapting one technology to another and you know, you just be, you're making a lot of compromises. You would just be showing the data in a browser and, and we didn't want to just render data as HTML. We wanted to create a first class web application framework, one that you can build any kind of application. Yeah. It happens. We've rendered in, uh, you know, in, in a browser, as HTML, but that you literally can customize and build the application you need have and you can control everything, not the the navigation experience. You can control, um, you know, what people are seeing and security around what they're seeing. You can allow them to to have user input so you can build forms. You can have the interaction with the application, um, you know, much like like you would, you know, be used to in in a desktop application, but we're doing it uh, truly in the web world. And that is what's really unique about Perspective. It's not just a rendering system. It is a is a complete application um, framework to, to be able to build these kind of things. And it just opens up the door with all the possibilities uh, you know, that are out there. And we'll we'll probably talk a lot about a lot of these opportunities, but it's not, you know, we can certainly do HMI SCADA and we can do control. Um, but we can build database front-end applications. Uh, we have a lot of uh, customers who are exploring that, you know, building inventory systems uh, or they're converting access or Excel sheets. Um, you know, and doing it with perspective, because then they can get a broader audience to get access to that data very, very easily. And it can, in a nice application, Um, you know, they might build CRMs or, uh, you know, point of sale systems, or they, you know, really the sky is the limit uh, for what is possible with this. And uh, nobody's shoehorned into one way of doing it. And I think that's uh, pretty, pretty unique, and pretty exciting in terms of uh, what people can do with perspective. I think a, a key thing there
1: is, is getting data and applications to as many people as possible. And, and surely now with with, with the pandemic, a lot, of, a lot of factory and a lot of personnel were told to work from home. And what a great opportunity it was for, for actually leveraging this technology to bring all of this data right there to the guy in his home. He's got a view of his entire plant. He can interact with it and literally perform the functions that he would have performed normally. But just in the comfort from, from his home or from his big screen TV with, with, with the app and just open up a browser, getting the session and all that data is available to him.
2: Yeah, you know, it's, it's a it's kind of interesting how timing happens, right? And that we had this product uh, prior, you know, out prior to the pandemic really uh, taken taken form here. Um, you know, we have a lot of customers who have vision and and the applications sit on the OT side of the networks and they do bring some of it to the business. And IT is, you know, largely responsible to kind of make sure that they open what's necessary, you know, secure the secure everything and, you know, provide that access. But when you look at perspective, um, you know, when when the pandemic hit and people wanted to see data remotely, it, uh, it was really an easy choice for a lot of customers to say, okay, you know, we're going to put a, a server in place that has perspective and we're going to be able to get access to the data that we have on the OT side, build out the application and uh, whether it was on premise, or the cloud, and they brought it to the cloud, it could be even more accessible. But the point is, is that IT knows how to secure this, know how to they know how to work with it, and they can leverage their their existing corporate identity structures. Um, and it they you know it was much easier decision for them to say, yeah, you know what, let's get access, let let's give people access to more of this data, uh, and allow that to happen. You know, at home, either through a VPN connection or whatever other mechanism, and so. Perspectives really allowed a lot of companies to stay connected during these times, um, you know, and to get that data to more people, which is critical. You know, if they can stay connected, um, that can really help, you know, with troubleshooting issues, they can do it remotely, um, or they can, you know, have a lot of companies can have a skeleton crew that's going into the office or into the plant, and then they can have the rest of the people actually, you know, actually be able to work from home. And so we've seen a lot of people to be able to, you know, put this in parallel and take advantage uh, of it. Um, and it really accelerated, if you will, their digital transformation initiatives uh, where they, they wanted to do this. And so uh, before, you know, they might have been just kind of waiting. Well, you know, we're not quite ready to kind of get these technologies in place. But uh, now it's like th- they can see the benefits that it brings to the table and the benefits of getting data to people. So it, I, I really think that timing was kind of perfect for all this to have perspective here.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it definitely has enabled a lot of organizations and and teams within those organizations over the last couple of months. I want to quickly ask you about security. Um, You know, it's a topic that does come up. There's a couple of assumptions that that's made as soon as you put anything in a web browser and open it up, uh, so to speak, that that there's always a, a security concern or a security discussion that needs to be had. And I suppose as we've seen over the last little while, as these cyber threats um, against industrial control systems specifically increase, um, security obviously becomes a more urgent priority. Um, I know that, that you guys at uh, the, the folks in Inductive Automation have always worked hard to improve security and 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 sort of bring, if I can call it, uh, bring true IT features um, to into the domain of OT. Um, now to keep your system safe, I know that, I think it's you actually personally, you often uh, advocate not only having the right features as far as security is concerned but also having the right mindset uh, in terms of how you approach that and, and and some of the kind of preparations that you can do before implementing a solution. Do you, any, any sort of explanation or maybe you can elaborate a little bit in terms of the correct approach outside of the security features which I think most people are assuming are in place and that should be there. Uh, what are some of the approach that you can that you can talk to in terms of, terms of how to build that out securely?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's so. That's a topic we we can spend a lot of time on on security <laughs> yes. for sure. Um, you know, we as a company, Inductive Automation is very focused on security. I mean, the threats that are out there. You know, Ignition is used in critical infrastructure. It has to be as secure as possible, and we have to do our due diligence. To not only ensure that the product has a lot of security features, but that the product that's going out the door is also secure and is is not going out with any issues uh, since they're being put into these environments. So for us, uh, security is is just a, a really extremely important part of of the business, and we've always taken security very seriously. But you know, today we've got a division who's uh, you know, cybersecurity division who's focused purely on this, and we have a cybersecurity risk officer who is an expert in you know in the field who is going to conferences and uh, staying uh, you know uh, up to date with all the latest um, you know vulnerabilities and issues that are out there to to ensuring that not only our our software is secure but that our business is secure as well um, we from that standpoint it is a mindset security is a mindset you've got to take it seriously it's got it's a culture that everybody has to embrace mm-hmm. and at our company everybody uh, is contributing to, you know, having a secure product. And, you know, you're always weak as your weakest link, right? You, everybody has to have that. I mean, we put all of our employees through uh, security training where they watch videos and they take you know, small tests and and to just you know, make sure we're doing our, our due diligence on that, right? Because if, if one little email somebody gets on their computer, they download an attachment could wreak havoc in a particular network, right? Now, we have a lot of measures in place in our network to ensure that there's uh, security within our network too, but again, cybersecurity is just a, a a really important mindset for us, um, and and that just kind of extends everything. So, you know, to the product itself and perspective when we were architecting it, we built it from the ground up with cybersecurity in mind, um, and that I think is is really critical. We've had a lot of years' of experience with Vision. And we had to do a lot of things with vision over the years to con- to, ma- to continue making it more secure and more secure. And we've had, you know, we have third party security consultants who do pen testing on the, on the products. Uh, we've learned a lot with that development there that we can bring into perspective. So when we built it uh, when we started building it from, from scratch, we were able to kind of keep these core security concepts in mind. And so uh, that, I think that's one really important piece. And so one thing to note, if you look at at perspective, uh, you know, when you start up a client, uh, a session, we call it, you know, in, in the browser and you, uh, and you log in, essentially, we create that session on the server and that server, we know everything that, you know, that that um, you know, client's going to be getting access to and all the critical data, tags and databases and information behind the scenes is basically on the server. There's a huge firewall in front of it. So when you have a client open. And you, you have to establish a session, and we can talk about how we establish a session, but when you establish that session, we know who that person is, and we know what security levels that person has, and we can guarantee that they can't get access to that critical data if uh, they don't have the right, um, you know, the right privileges, essentially. And uh, so it's really all about being able to verify that user, be able to verify and have trust that we know who's accessing the system. And that comes down to how you, how you approach the authorization or the identity management. And you know a lot of if you look at SCADA, historically. You have a lot of HMI SCADA's out there. We have a, a panel PC on the on the line, and the username passwords on a sticky note right next to the monitor. <laughs> right, or you, or yeah.
1: you can and, guess it. Or you can guess it depending on the. Or part. you can
2: guess it. Yeah, it's mean, a, own, a, op, operator, operator. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, or they use these shared username passwords, and the reason that they did that was because they didn't want operators to have to go through a lot of hoops to be able to get access to the data, right? To be able to go and get into the application. And we can understand that, right? They have to run the operations. They can't be spending a lot of time trying to remember this crazy long password they're putting in and all of that. Um, and so it, it's important that when we do it to perspective that we can ensure that we have proper identity management. We can make sure that people are getting and We can trust who they are. And not have you know, these simple passwords in there and not have these you know, shared passwords or usernames. Um, and, and that's luckily, we have this entire world. All, there's so much development happening in the web world, right? All of these major tech companies, Google and Amazon and Facebook, and all these have, have, because people are accessing their system, they have to ensure security. They've been building up all these tools and frameworks that we can take advantage of. One of those frameworks is, is called uh, identity providers, uh, IDP, it's a corporate identity system. And you probably, you probably, a lot of you on this uh, listening will, will have this. Maybe you have Okta or Duo or ADFS, or if you log in something with your Google account or log in something with your Facebook account, that's called Federated Identity. And um, it, it uses protocols like OpenID Connect and SAML. But what it allows is, is when, I, when you go access the, app, the perspective application, you're going to be redirected to a login on this, this identity system. You're going to validate who you are, you'll be redirected back. and Often, you know, and, and of course, once we know who that person is, we can bring that session to them. We can show them the data. But often, we'll have these systems will have two-factor authentication. they will have that second form to really verify users' identity. So that could be sending a a text message, a push notification to their, their phone. It could be an app uh, where they have a rotating, um, you know, token or key that they have to put in to verify that form. But what's important about these identity systems is they're all built to be. Simple like it's meant to have security but meant to be simple and so the whole idea of being able to have single sign-on you log in once and it'll remember you for a certain amount of time on your computer is uh, So, you, you know, you do that process once and you can log into all your applications You don't have to worry about it and that and, and the fact that you it's easy to you know It's easy to put the, your credentials in and to know that everybody's got their own credentials it's, it's a real critical part of IT cybersecurity strategy is to have this and we can leverage that same technology in perspective And along with that, you know, we're in the web, we're in the browser, um, and we can use HTTPS uh, and have certificates where people are, you know, you go to, when you go to your bank and you log in or go to some other website, you log in, you look for that green check uh, or, you know, the lock that it is secure. Well, we're luckily using the same technology. We're not inventing any of that. So we could take advantage of that same thing. So, a prospective application is as uh, secure as any other web application out there, and with the identity systems, we, we can go so much further to be able to have, to, to know that uh, and trust that people, people are getting in. Furthermore, we can then lock things down even more based on who that person is, what roles they have, where they're located, if they're at home, or if they're on premise, uh, if they're remote. We, we can lock things, any part of the application, uh, based on those role, roles or zones, and we call that security levels. So there's so much that we, not only as a company, as a culture that we're doing to ensure security, and that's a mindset that we all share, but there's a lot that we're doing in the product too, and leveraging these, these you know, tried and true standards that are out there today, and bring it into, if you know, if you will, the OT world, and into uh, the software here, and it, it really... Um, it really allows people to have this access and not have to really think and not have to worry about, you know, all these potential attacks and vulnerabilities that are there. Now we companies still have to be diligent. That's why IT is there, but it is um, it's pretty cool to see all, all the, the security features that come with this product.
1: Yeah, it's quite, it's quite crazy. I think there was a, there was a survey at one point where they, they asked a whole bunch of people, you know what, would you, would you actually take someone else's laptop? And access your internet banking from someone else's laptop via the browser or will you will you be willing to give your your phone or device to another person and use your app your mobile app that you've downloaded to the guy to log in um, obviously people were very very suspect to allow to give their mobile devices uh, but with the browser they were all kind of yeah sure you can allow my browser to access your your credentials and I think the 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 point is that you guys also have a mobile app, we spoke a little bit about it when we talked about utilizing um, your device's features like GPS and camera et cetera. But from a security perspective again, you've guys got the mobile app and the same security levels apply there uh, It doesn't matter if you're going through the the browser or the or the perspective app
2: yeah right and and so there's there's three different ways that, um, w- that you can launch a perspective application one is just simply in the browser um. And with the browser, right, you just are, uh, you know, just going to a URL just like you're with any other application. And like you're saying, there are a lot of people, you know, it's, it's so used, it's so trusted, that there's no no questions about it. The other way that we can access prospective application uh, is through the mobile apps. And then we have uh, native iOS and Android apps. And these apps are really, they have an embedded browser. They're just a wrapper around the browser. Uh, and a lot of applications are, are, are done this way. But the reason to have a, an application uh, on the phone is so that we can, allow, get, get access to those phone sensors. You know, you can't get access to GPS or to the camera or to any other part of the phone without, you know, all the phones have security as well, right? You have to allow an app to have access to it. So by having the app, uh, the user can grant access to these things and leverage those features. There's so many exciting ways that we can leverage phones. You know, the, having, using the GPS for geolocation or geofencing, um, you know, we could switch the app, we can switch the screen uh, to a, a different screen based on where the person's located, you know, or so if they go out on site, we can automatically get to the relevant data for where they are. Uh, we could tag their location, you know, from where they're, when they're entering data. So many cool, exciting cases for, you know, the GPS. As long as the camera as well, we're seeing people who are putting barcodes on machines and scanning barcodes from the app and uh, able to leverage that to, you know, get more context, to get to an area of the application or to even use it for, use it as a uh, as a part of the application, like for inventory control. Um, so, leveraging the GPS or camera or accelerometer or NFC uh, or Bluetooth Low Energy, all these things that we can get access to can allow that that application to be much more powerful, right? And we can do that because of the phone. And we, the third way that we can launch a perspective app is something we're coming out with in 8.1. I know you guys will want to talk a little more about 8.1, um, but we're coming out with uh, a for perspective workstation, which is a desktop application. Uh, for, you know, Windows and, uh, you know, and for Linux as well, that will basically have the embedded browser, same experience. Um, and the reason for that is if you look at a lot of plant floor at HMIs, you know, you, you have a, a, a dedicated station at, uh, for the HMI. And, you know, a lot of companies are really resistant. While they might be okay with on their personal laptop, having them access the browser, uh, having a browser on the plant floor and a panel PC um, where they can get out of the application and go and do other things uh, is, is typically frowned upon right? So the desktop workstation is one where we can have the perspective app in a kiosk mode where it's full screen You can't get out of it. And so it doesn't look like a browser It looks like an application even though it is fundamentally a browser behind the scenes and we can support multi-monitor as well Much better if one shortcut opens up the application have you know four monitors all of them can everything can be opened from one shortcut and you can have data on all those monitors very, very easily. And so workstations going to be really important for that kind of traditional HMI experience uh, that, you're, that you're looking at. And that's going to come with, with, uh, with ignition 8.1. So we're really excited about that. But there's also sensors and things that can be connected to a, uh, a, a panel PC on the line. It could be you know, maybe a serial device that's connected. Mm-hmm. They're scanning something with, or maybe RFID, or maybe there's a file that they want to automatically look for on, a, on the system and parse in for quality control. There's all sorts of cool things that are there, and again, having a browser, you can't, you don't just get access to that from the browser yeah. uh, for security reasons. But if you have the, the workstation, we can, add, you know, get get access right, and we can leverage that just like we're leveraging the sensors on the phone. So these three ways of being able to get access to that uh, to the data allow, of course, perspective to be accessed anywhere, no matter you know on any medium. You can, you can literally get it anywhere. I mean, heck, my refrigerator has a uh, uh, a. a touchscreen on it and it has a modern browser and I can access uh, my home automation system on there it's that's ignition perspective it's it's pretty incredible the amount of devices out there have browsers so not only can we get that data everywhere but we can leverage these things for what they truly are and bring in more data that we can do that securely right we're following all the standard paradigms for those
0: yeah Um, I wanted to you mentioned 8.1 I think we at the time of recording it's it's, uh, the 14th of, of September today Monday We are really on the eve of the ICC and those uh, for those listeners that are not aware the ICC is is of course the Ignition Community Conference which will not be held as a physical event this year that's obviously due to the worldwide outbreak of COVID-19 but instead this year will be a virtual event Um, I think at the time that that you'll probably listen to this podcast again I think probably the the ICC would have would have passed a couple of days Um, some of the some of the highlights maybe around 8.1 where do folks get more information I'm assuming that the ICC site will be updated. Anything to look forward to? Any any specific top three have-to visits post-ICC?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, Ignition 8.1, we're really excited about, about this. Um, so, if you look at Ignition 8, that's where we introduced Perspective. And that was about a little over, you know, almost a year and a half ago uh, when that was released. And there's been a lot of exciting advancements uh, with especially Perspective over that last year and a half. And um, 8, But 8.0... If you guys uh, look at our versioning, all of the even number versions for us are kind of big, shiny new features. We introduced some new things, right? So perspective was, was one of the big, shiny new features that were there. And um, we, you know, we are always iterating and listening to customers and making it better and better and better. That's what we've been doing. Um, but then the odd number releases, so 8.1, these are LTS releases. and These really mark a, a, you know, a critical point that says, look, this is now stable. This is mature. Uh, we, have, we have had a lot of use of that product out there, people who want to stay on the cutting edge of technology, and now it's a place where anybody who you know, has earlier you know, versions and they want to use this technology in a production setting, if they've had established systems, this is the time to do it. Now, of course, if there's new projects, typically people are okay with new projects and taking advantage of the latest and greatest technology. But 8.1 is really about that stability, about the maturity, especially with perspective. So having an LTS version is probably one of the most important parts uh, of this release. Um, But with perspective, you know, we are really trying to round out the features, really provide a lot of things that customers have been asking for. And as I mentioned, Workstation is one of those features, you know, to have it to really truly say, yeah, perspective is prime time for HMI, uh, especially on the plant floor. Uh, It's kind of always been that way, but now it's. Really solidified that you can use it in that purpose because you have that desktop application. So that's one of the big features that are uh, that are coming with uh, with 8.1. The other thing that I'll mention, uh, there's a couple of, actually, there's a couple of other features of Perspective in particular that are going to be there. We're introducing some new components. Um, these are some powerful charting and um, and smart symbol components. Then in 8.1, they're going to make it easier to build HMIs and easier to uh, you know qu- query and analyze historical data. And you can, you know, envision we've had this thing called easy chart, uh, which is a very popular charting component. And we uh, basically are bringing that to perspective, but making it a lot better, right? We can always improve upon our, what we've done before. And so there's a lot of, you know, rounded out components and, and features that are coming in perspective, people could take advantage of with this. And, you uh, we know, we're always going to continue iterating perspective, adding more, um, but we're, there's some, there's some good milestones in 8.1 along that. The other big thing is, again, staying true to that security mindset. Um, we introduced the federated identity providers, you know, with Perspective only because uh, it was a web application. It was really, really easy to uh, to bring that in there. Um, but you know, people want to be able to use the IDPs across the board with Ignition. They want to use it with log into the gateway, log into the designer, log into Vision, as well as login into Perspective. Everything in eight point one will support. Um, the IDP paradigm, and that's going to be really exciting because now uh, IT, especially if they're if that's what they want to use, it's no longer Active Directory and LDAP that they want to use. They want to use for their corporate identity system now, and across the board, having that there, it just uh, checks that box. IT says, okay, you know what? We're good. Let's move on, and they can focus on the application at the end of the day, so those are some big highlights that are there. I think one of the exciting parts for me as developer, too, is that we're going to um, be releasing our official Docker Hub image. Um, and so you know, we could easily install, you know, run ignition in Docker, and people are using this not only for kind of uh, auto, uh, remote orchestration or auto deployments, but especially for like benchmarking and for development and testing, they can spin up ignition really quickly with Docker and do a lot of things. Um, and having an official image from us will, uh, will help facilitate that. So there's a lot of cool things that are coming with 8.1, but again, it's really that mark of stability Uh, we're going to see a lot more use of these technologies and uh, i'm really excited to see what our customers what everybody out there in the community will will do with this
1: perfect thanks travis i think um, personally for me i actually had a support case just last week about docker Docker (laughs) support so that's great having those documents available um and i can see why why 8.1 is going to be a long-term support um i think everything that's that's needed to be there to to really say it can be used on a plant floor from a skater perspective when we talk skater applications and especially with the with the identity identity providers as well from securing not only perspective but your application and the designer as well definitely see why it's a lts or a long-term support release of, of 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 ignition definitely um i quickly want to chat about something that's that's quite Keen to my heart, um, it's something that came up quite a lot in, in numerous podcasts that we were doing. Um, and you actually had a had a webinar about it. I think you called it the, the six easy steps to digital transformation. Um, yes. And and we talk a little bit about it during the, when we spoke about the pandemic and how to get data to everybody. And for me personally, I, I love that podcast because I think, or that webinar, because I think a lot of people hear the word digital transformation and they think it comes with a checkbook you must have a checkbook with a lot of zeros to be able to afford it and to get it going. And I really love what you've done there, just to show the guys, just, just get it going, just, just do something and you can really get digital transformation quickly off the ground. And it doesn't have to be a massive project. It can be a very simple thing, but just get it going and, and just leverage the technology to make that as simple as possible.
2: Yeah, that you know, that's like the big myth, right? That digital, digital transformation—you hear, we hear all a lot of hype about it, and a lot of uh, companies who are putting their strategies together and all of that—and they're really look kind of looking at it all holistically. Like we're gonna—it's got to it's got like, to be this huge checkbook, right? To uh, to get this to get this moving and to, to, to you know to get going with it, but it's really not the reality. I mean, when you look at it, we talked a lot up here about perspective, and perspective it changes the way that we can get data to people. And that is incredibly important, right? We have a, a, a med- an easy medium to get data to people and if we can have a model where we can develop, add new features to that and deploy that quickly to people and they just get access. that's that is a critical part of digital transformation for sure. But the other critical part is that you know we're all we come from the OT world. We know how complex that world is. You know, and you, you hear of a lot of, in these digital transformation initiatives, you hear a lot of this uh, IT applications out there, especially cloud platforms like AWS and Azure, all these amazing things you can do with data, machine learning, analytics, and uh, bring into, you know, do deep learning and bring into data lakes and, and all these amazing things that are possible. And that is there. It certainly is possible, but they draw a single line down, you know, to the, to the OT or to the plant floor, and say, we're just going to get access to all this data. And we know there's an elephant in the room, right, when they do that, because the world of OT is, is super complex. A lot of legacy PLCs uh, with not a lot of security in them. A lot of domain knowledge has to be known. A lot of mapping of data. You have to know the addresses to map it to proper data models. Um, you, know, the, you have to know what the, what the units are and um, what the engineering units are and, and limits are. All these things have to be known. And so a traditional SCADA system is one where, you, you know, you have a, a server and you connect directly to all the PLCs um, there in the plant floor. And you may have, you know, 50, 100 uh, of those PLCs. You're bringing data up and, and, you're, and you're able to, of course, bring data to people. But that's not scalable um, because if, if the IT wants to bring data up to, that, to those levels, they have to turn middle, SCADA into middleware. That's not what it's designed for. And not going to want to try to connect to that PLC as well because there's a lot of security risk by opening up PLCs to the business side or, uh, or even worse to the, to the internet. Nobody, nobody will ever do that. Right? There's a lot of, we have to kind of minimize the, the, the risks that are there. You know, if you know the Stuxnet virus things, nobody wants that, right, mm-hmm. uh, on, their, on their yeah. systems. Um, so transforming the way we architect the OT systems is paramount. Um, and we've got to stop connecting devices to applications and instead connect devices to infrastructure and do it securely. And yeah. so we talk about this a lot. And that six easy steps that I was going through was basically saying, look, it's, it's quite easy to take advantage of edge products that are out there. And we have Ignition Edge that can easily connect to PLCs very inexpensively, uh, legacy PLCs. Our uh, polling protocols and convert that to a secure MQTT um, and bring it to a, a pub sub model. Go send it to a middleware that's truly middleware that we can then. It's infrastructure that then other applications can subscribe to, and that will truly open that data up, and it provides more scalability because then if I want to go get a brand new sensor or, uh, or device, that you know there's tons of them out there. If you look at IoT world, there's a lot of companies that are making these new uh, amazing sensors. Um, and they speak MQTT natively and they're plug and play. You bring it to your network, you plug it in, it has all this amazing data. It's already got context and just comes into our infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And so if we, if we can really transform architecture, we can take the old and the new and commingle them perfectly, but do it in a way that's using open standards, leveraging secure open standards that get data out. And so we're seeing it's really, really easy to put an edge product out there and maybe even send data to the cloud. And if you are putting data to the cloud and then having perspective up there to visualize it, having it available anywhere, uh, and we could do all that securely and IT will bless that whole system. And we can do that really cost effectively. I mean, there's people who are putting, uh, especially when the pandemic hit, I mean, they're able to kind of do complete digital transformation, if you will, and getting data from tons of PLCs and talking about, you know, a couple thousand dollars, you know, a few thousand dollars to get yeah. the hardware and the software to get the data up and to do things with it. So along with these new sensors that are also cost effective. So there's just on both sides of the fences, right? We can, if we can leverage data, get data up into a a proper infrastructure and we can leverage something like perspective um, to get data to more people and we can do all of this securely. Well, that's digital transformation to me. And it's not this crazy hard thing. It's not something that's in the distant future. It is here, it's now. And we want to help people with that journey and show them that, there's a lot of value you can get along the way just by putting things in parallel with what you've got. You're going to get value. You're going to get wins. You're going to be able to propel more of your initiatives and ultimately, yeah, you will transform your architecture, but you're not going to do it overnight. Right? You can't, you can't, that's just, just crazy to kind of think about. It's that sole graduation, uh, so uh, slowly grad, you know, graduating to getting to uh, the new architecture. That is where people are going to get that win. And that's really what that webinar is all about is to, is to show people these easy steps that they can take towards this journey.
0: And, and probably probably one of the most practical ones that I've that I've watched over the last mm-hmm. while. And I, in fact, thinking about it now, we should probably include a link a link to that as part of the podcast as well. And I, and I love that approach, and I think I love the simplicity of what that message actually is, Travis. I think very often when we think about and if we had to think about it, the most critical challenges like facing a lot of manufacturing companies through through their value chain are actually data challenges and data problems. Um, and, and I think supply chain, procurement, quality control, all of those sort of sort of elements of value chain uh, demands forecasting based on accurate and available data. And that, that's really what it's about. And I love the fact that we can easily and, and cheaply, without having mass, massive DX budgets, seemingly have ma- massive DX budgets, expose that data quite easily and securely, of course.
2: Um, yeah, and it is all about leveraging open standards. I mean, we have always been harping on this in the beginning. You read my um, mind. I was well, going to ask
0: about that, <laughs> <laughs> about yeah, That's critical. We,
2: that's how we came apart. That's how we came about. I mean, our you know Steve, when he was looking for software, he wanted to find off-the-shelf software. Uh, he didn't want to build his own software. Of course. I mean, that's that's crazy, right? The integration company—they want to focus on delivering solutions to their customers.
0: I think it mentions, but he the, couldn't find anything. In his, his founder's note, I think he mentions he, he didn't wake up one morning thinking, "Hey, I want to create a skater product or a skater company."
2: <laughs> yeah, no, no way. I mean, he he just wanted to. You wanted to leverage, you know, more IT standards. You wanted to be able to do, get, you know, get data to more people and build build bigger solutions, and not have everything behind these these firewalls or proprietary nature of or or you know financial burdens or barriers that happen to exist out there. Mm-hmm. And so, our whole mindset from the very beginning is to keep the data open to leverage standards, especially IT standards, um, but of course, be able to have a solution that really works well for OT. And it's that blend of OT and IT, I think, that's really made. Uh, our company is successful. And you look at today, it's so apparent today that this this IT mindset and that leveraging uh, these these standards, open standards are here because we wouldn't be able to do digital digital transformation without these. Right? It, I mean, look at the, we, we say the internet of people, which is all the cool web applications you have in, the, in out there and it was all p- possible because of HTML over HTTP, right? Nobody had to, there was open standards, nobody had to ask for permission to innovate. They just leveraged these open standards. Well, look at what's going to happen, you know, if, if we leverage that for, especially for the OT data, like with MQTT and how we can uh, bring data up and we, we we leverage these standards, we have these platforms that are there, they're now, there's no, they don't have that permission. They're going to go and use these tools, use best in class, put them together and innovate. And that's where customers are going to win at the end of the day. Um, so I, I think it's, it, it's so incredibly important to have these open standards because, Nobody's locked. The customer's not locked into one way of doing it. They can use um, everything that's out there that's that's uh, that is truly following these kind of standards, and they can you know really get to where they want to go. So, I I I just can't stress that enough. We talk about this so much, but you know everything ignition's DNA is to is to really keep things uh, interoperable, open, and secure.
0: Yeah, and that's 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 extremely powerful and valuable, especially with less reliance on experts to make that happen um I know we I think we actually over time a little bit uh, Travis it's the eve of it's the eve of the ICC you're probably um, running around and, and making sure a lot of the a lot of things are in place behind the scenes to make to deliver an incredible ICC. I think by the time this podcast will go live would uh, that would have happened already uh, so we can probably share a few updates. I know Lenny is burning to ask you one more question get a couple more minutes of your time
1: uh, just just one thing I think I think it's it's all about just the the immediate return on inv- return on value that you can get from from implementing these these products, I think a lot of people think perspective or they think a skater solution that you have to use it for a skater solution or but Travis you've got a very good use case um, just by doing and it 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 sounds simple right It was about just monitoring reservoir levels um, for for a water customer that you guys have. Um, And just being able to use open standards. Uh, There was a few legacy systems, but using MQTT, the broker-centric approach, um, giving visibility to to something as simple as a water reservoir level, and just the amount of savings from a maintenance perspective and from a travel perspective for the guys don't have to go and drive out to the field every time to see what, what the levels are before they have to do their maintenance tasks. I mean, that for me yeah. is such an incredible story about leveraging digital transformation in a very simple and easy way, but the return is massive.
2: Yeah. Data is, data is vital. Data is key, right? And if we can get that to the right people and who, especially, you know, maintenance operators, you know, that need to interact with that data. If, if they have to travel, you know, 50, hundred miles out to a site to, to be able to get that data, that's not super, that's not very efficient, right? It's not, we have technology today that can, that can, that we can leverage for these kind of things, but that does translate into instant savings. I mean, having near real time data accessible at your fingertips with control and having that be secure and the savings that are there just on the fuel and labor mm-hmm. and, uh, and all of that is, is, is huge. And it, not everything has to be remote, right? There's, there's people who can get yeah. wins just even in plant four setting, but it's, it's fundamentally being able to you know we, we take this ava- take, take advantage of us in our personal life we we are always connected we can go on our phone, we can get weather data we can get news we can go and look at all our email we can chat our friends we can do all this amazing things right We stay connected because of technology and I think it's been incredibly important, especially during the pandemic, right for everybody to stay connected i can my, my kids can can video chat their grandparents whenever we want right we can do all these cool things well think about that from an OT perspective we've the mindset's always been so conservative or so like you have to go down to the to a, the station and uh, you know' it's, it's always because there's, there's been a stigma about security and all these things yeah. but we leverage these tools we've now opened up the possibilities because we can it's it, the, the data is more freely exchangeable
0: yeah
2: and they have it at their fingertips and now they can you know focus on other areas and other aspects they wouldn't have been able to before because they were driving out to a site. And so the savings that are there is just incredible. And it's just by simply opening up that data. Perfect. It's
1: almost the, the title line of our podcast, the human machine podcast, getting <laughs> you more connected to the plant. I love it. I love it. Thanks, Travis. That's it's me. I, I just wanted to get really, that last one in.
0: <laughs> a really, really good practical use case. And of course, one of the highlights from the ICC and, and, and just, I suppose, just the experience that we've had with inductive automation as a whole is the power of community mm. and this incredible community of of system integrators and really the, the brilliant folks that make it all happen, uh, that share some of these these stories every year. So we're definitely looking forward to, to some of these stories for this year's ICC as well. I'm sure we're gonna have really, really good practical examples of what some of these system integrators have done and deployed, especially over the last five months, and how valuable um, that has been for a lot of these operations during this time.
2: So, I, I, absolutely, I will say that absolutely, yes, they're going to see a lot of amazing things from this year's ICC, not only with the keynote you'll, yeah. that, you'll, that everybody can listen to, but that the Discover Gallery of all the projects that people have done is incredible this year. So definitely take a look at those and see the ways that people are taking advantage of it. You're going to see a lot of use of perspective and MQTT and Edge, and show, and they're all focusing on the value that they got. So it's, it's definitely an exciting, exciting conference this year.
0: Definitely. It's, it's, it's always one of the highlights of the ICC is, is the is the gallery and seeing what's been done over the last year. And we're definitely looking forward to that one. Um, Lenny, I think we're out of time. Yeah, we? I think we need to uh, release we, Travis. we we'll could probably chat with Travis do, for the next three <laughs> hours. But yeah, we probably have to release you, Travis. You, again, you're on the eve of the ICC. We're really looking forward to it. The, this podcast will be aired after the ICC. So we'll definitely include a couple of links by then about just some of the highlights. But super excited about what you are doing, you, you, you folks are doing at IA as well as the release of eight point one. A lot to look forward to, and, and we look forward to sharing that with our community in South Africa.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. I have I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's been great chatting with you guys. Like I said, we could chat here for a lot longer, I'm sure. Yeah. And you have to, we have to bring it back to another podcast, uh, you know, at some point, so we can chat Definitely. some more.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Thanks to Boeing.
2: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> cool, Travis. Thanks again. I can't really do it right now, but that's okay. <laughs>
0: we'll, I think we'll definitely will definitely set up a follow up uh, podcast. We we said the same thing to Colby. We had you know with Colby, we, we really try to get behind the the culture of IA and, and and some of the you know why the company exists. And, and it definitely feels like we should do a, a follow up with you both. But thanks again for your time. All the best for ICC. We're looking forward to it. We'll, we'll share those highlights with, with the community in South Africa as well. Um, Lenny, anything else from your side?
1: No, I just want to say thanks to, to Travis. And as per normal, for people listening to our podcast, if you've got any ideas, any topics, um, any people you want me and Yaku to interview, uh, please give us a shout at podcast at element8.co.
0: And again, we're a disclaimer, we're not professional podcasters. It's not monetized, but we, we're learning a lot every episode and we've had an incredible uh, list of people recommended to us. And it's going to be, I think we, we're in for a, for a couple of bumper podcasts over the next couple of weeks. I think the next following two, we're chatting, the first one we're chatting is with Leandra Webb Ray. So Leandra Ray is a data scientist <laughs> with uh, Decision Inc. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, i mean just the first thing and the first question when i had a, an offline chat with us what the, does a data scientist do mm. <laughs> what is the world of a data scientist you don't actually study data science but um getting a little bit of a more practical view on just some of the buzzwords approaches key things to consider when wanting to become a data-driven organization so that's going to be a fascinating chat with leandra webb who's a data scientist with decision inc and then we're also chatting with Kudzai uh, Teresa who is the founder of industry 40tv which is a local community that that he's built up pretty much himself single-handedly uh, that really aims to educate and talk people through just very simple easy tutorials and how to get going with IoT and IIoT specifically and connect devices with uh, AWS and different platforms fascinating guy doing really good work to to enable and and just educate the south african community on industry 4.0 and iot so those are two future podcasts to to look forward to and yeah we'll, we'll share some more details on those but thanks for listening awesome thanks a lot Kai. uh thanks for listening we'll share um some links with this one around the icc and look after each other and be safe well, thank you.